to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. In what was the game of the year in the NBA so far, the Houston Rockets take out the Golden State Warriors and reclaim home court advantage 95-92. And RG, that last three-pointer by Golden State, it had me sweating a little bit. I, I was checking my deodorant to see how well it was lasting today, see if I, I had a good quality deodorant on. Hey, Clutch City is back, though. I mean, that was just a, a phenomenal game, phenomenal, phenomenal comeback by the Rockets. And similarities to, to 93, 94, when everybody kind of rode off the Rockets and uh, they came back, and uh, that was against Phoenix, of course, and eventually won that series. And everybody, with the defending champs, the series isn't over, but everybody was pretty much riding the Rockets' epitaph. Uh, and they came out, they had a great effort, and they were able to steal a game in Oakland and send the series back to Houston Tide. We're now at a best of three, and it's Clutch City again. Let me ask you about the end of the game, because so Chris Paul, he gets fouled. Uh, final second is one of those deals where I, I thought I was hoping it was just like the NFL where you could just decline the penalty. I wish you could just do that. Hey, we don't accept the penalty. Right. I mean, I, I know you being the type of person that you are and the way that you freak out over these things that you're probably thinking, oh no, here we go again. Especially when Steph Curry launches that three at the end of the game, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, well, of course I was concerned, but I was, I was trying to figure out should the Chris Paul have, you know, he misses the first free throw, which that was a killer. I wish he had made that first free throw or made them both. He makes both free throws. It's a moot point. Yeah, he makes it's both of them. It's point. over he with. He should. He's a, I mean, he's an excellent free throw shooter. Yeah, that was scary. But should he have missed the second free throw so they have a tough shot at the end? Uh, that's what they were saying. Or, or, or I mean, they would have had – I mean, if they have .3 seconds to go, then, you know, they've got to make a shot where it's it's a catch and shoot immediately. You can't turn. You can't do anything. Or is it just a tip at point three, or has it got to be at least point three uh, where you can shoot the ball? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question because, I mean, if they get the rebound there on that, then they immediately call timeout still again, correct? So uh, uh, and then they, they go and they inbound the ball again and, uh, you know, have that shot. They'll at least be able to get off a shot. I think in either case, because he missed a free throw, uh, they're going to be able to get off a shot. Unless they didn't. Let's say just tried to heave the ball, uh, you know, get the rebound and heave the ball down the court, right? And it, uh, uh, a little chance of it uh, going in. But, I mean, really, the game was effectively over at that point. That's where you want to be. But, I mean, I, I remember watching the .4 second shot that uh, Derek Fisher sank against the Spurs when he was with the Lakers. So you can never say never as long as there's time on a basketball clock. And I mean, even at the end of this game, they were looking at, like, that Steph Curry shot. Did he get it off in time? Would he, it, Even if he had made it and the place went berserk, would it have counted? Yeah, that's the one thing D'Antoni said in the post game. You know, he didn't think he got the shot off on time. I, I saw a picture with uh, that was on Twitter with uh, my friend Ben Dubose had put up, and 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 it looked like, you know, it, it didn't look like it was off in time. The light was off. It was still in Steph Curry's hands. And what if that had happened? What if the whole war, they, they, and the ball goes in, and then they say this victory is nullified. The Rockets win. It didn't come to that, but I mean, that's one of those things that could have happened. But it, I, hey, it was a, just a great. I mean, we're talking about the last play of this game, but what we really should be talking about is just what the Rockets were able to do to, to do to even get to this point. Because I, I read a stat on ESPN that said that the Golden State Warriors. In the playoffs, since the shot clock era, are 48 and one when they have a 10 point lead going to the fourth quarter. And I know you can say, oh yeah, that that you know, uh, anytime a team has a 10 point lead, but that's in, you know, 48 and one. That's still pretty incredible. That's how great a home court advantage that is up in 
uh, Oakland. That's which is why the Rockets hopefully can at least win the game five and game seven. Now they have the best two out of three at home. But just to go up there and do what they did, especially when they were down again at the end of the third quarter, to come back and and to show that resilience and to have that uh, victory at the end, uh, gutting it out. I, I that's what championship teams do. So that this was a great great effort by the Rockets. Not and and. Kudos to them. Yeah, of course, it's a great effort by the Rockets. If you be Golden State and Golden State, that just doesn't happen in the playoffs. Hadn't happened in a couple of years. And and you look at the Rockets, and I want to circle back to some of the key guys like Harden and Paul. We got to talk about those guys, of course. But RG, two guys are going to go a little bit unnoticed, I think, unless you're a diehard Rockets fan or you're an NBA geek. But Gerald Green, nobody gives this guy credit uh, for his defense. And, and his defense at times... Can be a little bit shaky, but he was fantastic. The 12 minutes he was on the court, he was plus 15 in this game. He threw out some crazy threes, but that's what Gerald Green does. He's going to launch it as soon as you, it hits his hand, and, and that's what he's supposed to do. That's what uh, Dan Tony wants him to do. But uh, defensively, I mean, he was all over the place. His hustle, his energy, he was causing uh, turnovers with that energy and the hustle on defense. And just, you know, he was pumping his guys up. You know, he was yelling at guys to, to let's get going when, when the Rockets were struggling the, a couple of times he came into the game. And, and Gerald Green really helped turn things around a little bit uh, after that big run that they had uh, in the third quarter. So going into the fourth quarter. So I, I think Green was key. And also, you know, P.J. Tucker 0 for 4 from the field, 0 for 2 from 3. But his defense and rebounding, 16 rebounds. 16 rebounds, only four points. But without Clint Capella playing much, really only 24 minutes in this game, uh, P.J. Tucker was unbelievable. P.J. Tucker was great. Uh, you know, Gerald Green, uh, look, I've been uh, down on him as well, too, as far as his uh, defensive uh, efforts. But uh, he had a good game. But, I mean, 12 minutes, and he was, uh, he had, again, he had some a really great plays there and, and and like you mentioned but to me that a bigger difference was pj tucker because he had 44 minutes on the court and he had 16 rebounds like you said this this guy does it all he's just kind of the lunch pail guy that you need to have on the championship teams uh definitely in toronto they're missing him uh this past year in the playoffs and what he's been able to contribute with the rockets i mean it's been huge and uh you know let's not forget about like trevor between trevor ariza uh, Clint Capella. Uh, Clint Capella had uh, some really good blocks still in the game. He had 13 rebounds. So between PJ Tucker and uh, Clint Capella, you had 29 rebounds there between the two of them. And another guy that you didn't mention. I mean, the Rockets only played seven guys tonight, so we're pretty much going to mention everybody. Uh, but uh, is Eric Gordon. And when it really in the first quarter, the Rockets were down 12 to nothing, right? And then you know they really. We're getting off to another lackadaisical start. They weren't shooting the ball well. He came in and kind of just kept them in there to where they could make that run in the second quarter when Harden just was unbelievable in scoring and, and they had the lead at the half. But it was a, a lot because of Eric Gordon coming in there and being able to give him that offense. So everybody contributed to the win tonight. If you look at, you know, everybody on the team, you can you can say, wow, you know, the seven guys that played tonight, you know, they all showed up. They all contributed in some way or another. And that's what you have to have to win. You have to have a team effort. Now, going back to Houston, and, and, and maybe you agree with this, too, they might have to expand the rotation a little. Home Players, especially role players, seem to play better in the NBA playoffs at home. Uh, as you saw from the last game with the Rockets when they won, when they had P.J. Tucker, had all the points there. You know, maybe they... Uh, put in uh, Gerald Green for more. Maybe they expand the bench and, and 
and bringing Luke Mubu Amute and and put him back in some minutes back at Toyota Center in front of the friendly home crowd. Uh, we'll see, but usually those role players are going to have to come up much bigger getting back to you know the home court. From now on, I'm just going to have to have you call call him Luke. I, I think we're both struggling too much just to try to say his whole name. Just call him Luke. Like Luke Gregerson, uh, Luke Skywalker. You know those Lukes, right? Yeah, Luke Skywalker is one that I pretty much know pretty well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that I you know, I just was watching you know, like uh, The Last Jedi and uh, The Force Awakens just again and going over and trying to figure out like what will happen in Star Wars 9. Not that I'm saying anything about that right now, but uh, yeah, no, definitely – Luke Skywalker. Well, speaking of the Force Awakening, did you think James Harden's game was good? You know, was it what you wanted to see from James Harden in a big game like this? You know, I want to get your thoughts, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go two ways on this on this uh, James Harden game. I know what you're about to say here. It's the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, uh, James Harden. I mean, brilliant offensively. Uh, and he especially again, just mentioned it in the second quarter, but then towards the end of the game, shot selection, some questionable shots there, launching up the three pointers. He did have a great defensive effort against Steph, Steph Curry late in the game. Let's not forget that. So he did bring it at least on both sides of the court. And you can also, it seems with Harden in the playoffs too, for whatever reason, maybe some, because of the mental exhaustion of having to play defensively and and offensively for all the minutes of the game it just he wasn't able to have his usual offensive self towards the end of the the fourth quarter um you know and that's something that still he needs to still be able to bring that and deliver and unfortunately Chris Paul was there that's why Daryl Morey in the offseason brought in a second superstar right just for these moments so he could be that guy that could be in case of James Harden didn't have it in the fourth quarter offensively that could jumpstart uh, the offense, make shots, and and get others involved. And uh, let's not forget about that Eric Gordon three, getting back to Eric Gordon again. Uh, I mean, he, he only hit that one, but it was a key one. It gave them a five-point lead late in the game, and the Rockets would hold on and win. All right. I, I guess I looked at the James Harden game a little bit, his game, this, this game, but a little bit differently because – Look, James Harden, he did not have the focus, I thought, in the first quarter to quarter and a half. He has that huge end of the second quarter where they make the big run and he finally gets going. But both both sides of the ball, I didn't think he was doing much. Then he gets it going offensively, and that gets him going defensively. He makes some steals at the end of the half, too, which were big. The second half really didn't do much offensively, the whole half. I mean, he did not have a great second half at all was pretty much non-existent for the fourth quarter for the most part, except for that one blow-by where I think he, get, he gets the basket, the layup. But for the most part, not much offensively. Now, defensively, the fourth quarter, that's the James Harden that we know is in there, in his body somewhere. He can play that kind of defense anytime he wants to. He's just got to be willing to put forth the effort, and he did. In the fourth quarter, his defense was fantastic. I, I want to see him do it on both sides of the ball. I mean, I, I, I know... It takes energy, but the great players, the Michael Jordans and the LeBron James, and, you know, we could start listing the guys, Kevin Durant, even though, you know, Durant played in this game and and he struggled in this fourth quarter, but those players, they do it on both sides of the floor. And it's not like, oh, I'm too tired to do offense because I'm doing defense or I'm too tired to do do defense because I'm doing offense. 
And that's my frustration with James well, Harden. But it wasn't – I don't think he wasn't – this is where I maybe disagree with you too. It's just that I, I don't think – look, he was taking shots. Uh, he just wasn't making them. He wasn't connecting on them. He was taking – but and some of those were questionable shots that he was taking. And, uh, you know, so it's just – he was playing well defensively in the fourth quarter. Again, like, like you said, he was making some stops on the other end. He was guarding Steph Curry. Well, Steph Curry went off again in the third quarter. We haven't even talked about that. The guy went berserk. And you just pretty much figured, oh, no, this is a replay of the this, uh, second half of game three. And instead, in the fourth quarter with James Harden on him, uh, he actually, you know, was struggling more with his shot. And so with the Rockets and the Rockets making the defensive switches at the right time, mix, mixing it up um, again, they they really caused some havoc with Golden State. So you have to credit them uh, with that. But, I, you know, I. I do think that it might be a little bit of, of mental fatigue towards the end of a game when you've been giving it your all. A, he had to carry the burden of the team offensively in the second quarter. Not making an excuse here for, for James Harden, but, you know, it, and then in the fourth quarter, you know, that's he was on the bench for a couple of minutes, then comes back in the game in the fourth quarter, the final 10 minutes. Uh, you know, and, and, and he does have to give it on both ends. And you're right, like a LeBron and a Kobe. And that's his next that's the next step he has to take in his game. He's got to, in these big moments, in these big playoff games, play on both ends, be excellent on both ends. And, uh, you know, but again, tonight, at least there was a Chris Paul there who could be that offensive presence. Because, look, sometimes Steph Curry's shot's not falling, but he has a Kevin, Kevin Durant, you know. Sometimes Clay Thompson's shots not falling but he has a Steph Curry there sometimes you need your p teammates to pick you up and and James Harden uh, he was taking shots in the fourth quarter so that's why I mean again it's magnified and you expect him when uh, you know some of the times when he takes his uh, he penetrates in the lane he he's expecting to get the foul call there they weren't calling it either so uh, you don't get those calls always on the road and especially I kind of like it when you can just kind of not have all the whistles in the NBA anyway. I mean, don't you prefer that too? But I know that sometimes that that does fluster James Harden because he's used to getting those calls. I mean, it's the playoffs. We do this every year. He looks for the call every year. You're not going to get it. And I wish you would get over that. Early in games, he just starts looking for the call. And when he doesn't get it, he's like, he, he starts getting frustrated. And you could see it in his whole demeanor and his expression. And I, and I want to see that gone from his game. Like, you know... This is the way it is in the playoffs. You can get away with all the stuff in the regular season. They're going to they're gonna make the calls. They're going to bite for it, all that kind of thing, but not in the playoffs. And, and these guys with Golden State, they are trained as well as any team in the NBA at guarding James Harden. You don't reach for him. You make him work for the three-point shot if he's going to get it. Uh, if he's going to drive by, we're going to make it as difficult as possible. We're going to make him use his legs. We're going to try to wear him down. It's the same thing. The Rockets are doing, obviously, with Steph Curry. Try to take his legs out. Maybe Steph Curry missed all those shots in the fourth quarter but because the Rockets had done their job. They, they made, made him work. There's a little bit of wear and tear and stuff like that. And, you know, it's going to be interesting because the Rockets had four guys play 40-plus minutes in this game. Ariza, Tucker, Chris Paul, James Harden. The Warriors had two guys play 40-plus minutes, but Curry and Thompson are right on the edge. They both played 39 minutes in the game. Uh, and, and the one thing that uh, you look at the Rockets, Draymond Green, I don't know what you think about this, RG. He's taken Clint Capella, for the most part, offensively out of the Rockets' arsenal. And, and that's it's frustrating because the Rockets are already short guys. They've had to shorten their rotation because of the injuries and the ineptness of Ryan Anderson and Luke Babamute. But also, you know, you got Clint Capella, who only gets 24 minutes in this game, because Draymond Green is, is making him so ineffective, 
And Dead Tony feels like I got to go with that small lineup uh, late in the game. And, and basically it, it's going to wear down the Rockets because it's, it's almost like they're they're playing with six and a half, maybe six guys because between no, Gerald. I, I don't th- look like look, Clint Capella still had 13 rebounds and he still had uh, two blocks and, and, and he still alters shot and he. He is a presence on the defensive end himself. Yes, offensively, he's being taken out. The Rockets can't do the, the pick and roll with Clint Capella and like Draymond Green there. Uh, it has been playing well against him, and he's not having the same series and the success that he had against Carl uh, Anthony Towns and also against uh, Rudy Gobert. But you got to give credit. I mean, Draymond Green's one of the best post players in the NBA. He's a truly unique, special player. So, I, you know, it's just it's all about matchups. Again, like what we're saying about coming back to the Toyota Center, the Rockets are going to have to do some things different. But I, I think that, again, at home, it can be – and that's one thing the Rockets have had this year. They've had depth. But maybe you can do some things – at home, where on the on the road they had to win tonight. Okay, so they had to play their best players. They had to go hard and forty. I mean, the season was on the line tonight. We all knew that. So you had to do that. You didn't want to even put in somebody like you might experiment in the in the at, at home in a game five. In the second quarter, you might throw in a Ryan Anderson and say, okay, let's see, two or three minutes, does he have anything they can give us here? Oh, Luke Mabuamute in the second quarter, can we throw him in for two or three minutes? Does he have anything today? Can he help us out? You might do that at home, and if they're terrible, then you don't play them in the second half. And you do. But on the road, on a game like tonight, where you had to win, you had to put your horses there. So this was a must-win tonight. And the Rockets, their backs aren't against the wall. Even if they lose on – I mean, look, they need to win the game five, okay? But if they lose it, I mean, they still – it's a game six, and that you know they can still potentially win two games in a row. It'd be most difficult to win a second game and, and up at Golden State and Oakland. You don't want to have to have that. You, you probably want to win the home games here, five and seven, and win a seven-game series. But again, you have a little bit more leeway. Tonight was the huge game. Tonight was the game that they had to have. So that's that's where, and I think coming home, it's definitely Chris Paul. You could just see in his eyes after the game when he was giving the, you know, talking to the TNT reporters after the game. I mean, he gave it his all out there. I mean, he was totally spent. And I'm and the Rockets were that way because they they realized themselves. Look, you're not going to beat the defending champs three games in a row. So they had to win tonight. So let's worry about like you know minutes and who is in the rotation and six and a half, seven, eight players. That's for another game. The Rockets live. They survive. It's Clutch City. And 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 coming home to a home crowd who's boisterous and is going to be supportive, excited uh, about this. I mean, I really feel like the Rockets are going to be energized. But they've got to come out and take it to the champs. Because right now, uh, the, the Rockets have the momentum. They have, they're going to have an enthusiastic home crowd behind them. The last game they played there, they won by over 20 points. I mean, they've got to come out. They've got to put their foot on the gas because that's the only way you're going to beat the defending champs because they are not going to give it to you. I know they had turnovers tonight. I know they had 16 turnovers, Golden State. I know they did some uncharacteristic things, but they're also champions. Saw that in in, in the first game of this series, came out, set the tone kind of uh, for the series, and then they killed the Rockets by 40 points in game three. So it's not going to be easy, but it shouldn't be to win a championship. It should not be to win a championship. I'm not going to argue with you that, that, that they did what they were supposed to do as far as playing the guys that they had to play. I'm not going to argue with that at all. I'm just saying what Jamer, Draymond Green, my point is Draymond Green has made Clint Capella not the same Clint Capella that we've seen the rest of the season. You got to give him credit. If you're a Rockets fan, you got to tip your cap to this guy as much as you hate him, as much as you, you know, we've got Luke, they've got Darth Vader. 
But still, I mean, he's the guy that shut down, shut down Clint Capella. And if Clint Capella is down to like 24 minutes a game and you're getting 12 minutes for Gerald Green, it's more like you're playing six guys instead of seven. And it hurts. It hurts when you've got to play these other guys 40-plus minutes and you've got to dig into their legs a little bit more. And Golden State, they, they should be a little bit deeper. But, you know, they've got some depth problems now, too. Iguodala was hurt, missed the game. You don't know how Clay Thompson's going to be. He didn't look quite the same uh, for the rest of the game after he hurt his ankle, actually twisted it, sort of landing on Clint Capella's foot. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, they did. that's what they were supposed to do. That's what they had to do to win the game. I'm just saying I'm, I'm tipping my cap to Dream Iron Green because he's effectively made Clint Capella uh, not the same guy. He's as a scorer, and, the, and he's taken the pick and roll out. Everything that you you want from well, Clint he's Capella. he's not made him the same player on the offensive end, but defensively, like Clint Capella, still is a force in there with his rebounds and and the way that he can alter shots. And, and I I still think that defensively, Clint Capella has a lot to offer and is about. I mean, you saw that block that he had on uh, Clay Thompson in the second quarter. I mean, that was a huge block. I mean, that was a great. Yeah, one. you could still and, play Clint Capella. It's just you. Yeah. I'm just saying you. Unfortunately, I think the Rockets are seeing his d- minutes diminish a little bit which hurts. You're putting more offensive pressure on Harden, on Paul, and some of the other guys, uh, sure. you know, all, all that kind of thing. And, you know, that's going to take its toll. I mean, I, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated to see what happens in game five. I'm hoping we get this kind of game again. I mean, I like having an actual close game in the conference finals instead of all these terrible blowouts that we've seen left wait, and right. Wait, well, like, let, let's at least, let's have a blowout for the Rockets in game five, and then we can have the close game in game six that ultimately the Rockets can hopefully win there. <laughs> I I think that most people will just want the, the wins or whatever, but I agree with you. I'm sure that it's probably going to be a close game. Hey, but I wanted to ask you something. I, I was listening to the, the Bill Simmons and the... Uh, Zach Lope. Zach Lowe podcast. And I thought it was very interesting because they, I mean, they talked a lot about the Rockets on there, but they, I mean, they're basically both saying that like, this is the year for the Rockets to win uh, because they have the home court advantage. It's like Chris Paul's only getting older from this, this period out. You know, you have the Ryan Anderson contract. It's still going to be difficult to deal. Uh, I mean, this is the time when you have the Warriors and you have the home court advantage and, and you have them in the, you know, Potentially, they're trying to make a fourth consecutive finals run here, which is always difficult. Remember, in the, even the Phil Jackson years with the Bulls and the Lakers, getting to four straight finals was always very difficult just because of the long NBA seasons. So they were saying that this is the time for the Rockets to win because Bill Simmons was saying, I, I don't know, NBA ch- changes year to year. But I do do get his point. Bill Simmons was saying that you know the Rockets might never have as great a team as they have this year. And, of course, we know with free agency and what happens. What, what did you think about that? I'm sure you listened to it, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say that because if they don't win this year, then Golden State's going to be trying to go to their fifth straight finals. It's going to be, you know, just as wearing on them next year as it was this year. So you've got that. Uh, the, the injuries uh, can come and go. You just don't know what's going to happen as far as injuries with Golden State next year. But, yeah, the Rockets have to figure out a way to re-sign Chris Paul they're going to have to pay Clint Capella a bunch of money or let him walk, which they don't want to do. I don't know what the hell they do with the Ryan Anderson contract. There's two years left. Can you hand out a couple of first-round picks? Is Daryl Morey willing to send out a couple of first-round picks? And is somebody willing to take Ryan Anderson off your hands for a couple of first-round picks so you can have the space to – because you got Trevor Ariza that's going to be a free agent. you still got P.J. Tucker, 
which is good. He's under contract. I think you can bring back Gerald Green. I don't think anybody's going to break the bank going to sign Gerald Green, and Gerald Green is going to want to stay here if it's if the numbers are anywhere close. Um, and, and Luke Bobamute, that's that's a guy that you're going to want to bring back. But I don't know what people are going to think of his value after you know he separated his shoulder a couple of times this year, and you don't know where his shoulder is going to be. He's going to have off-season surgery. But if, if you can get a healthy – man, if he's healthy – it just makes a hell of a lot of difference for the Rockets going up against Golden State. What he can do, switching off guys, you, you got the, you can go with that smaller lineup easier because Luke can play center or PJ can play center and Luke could play uh, power forward. It, it gives you a lot more options. It gives you a lot more rest with, with uh, Ariza and Tucker when you have a healthy uh, Luke Mbamute. And so, yeah, it's it, it, I, I don't know if I could say that necessarily. It just depends on you know, how they handle things in the off season. It, I don't know. I mean, does that, does that make any sense? Yeah. I, I think that more the point though, is that uh, it's carpe diem need to seize the day right now because Chris Paul, it's just a, another year older. Even if they do sign up, let's say for a, I can't see Daryl Morey signing a five or six year deal type, you know, max, but I, I can see more of what they were talking about, like a three year deal. But even then it's like, I, I watched Chris Paul with the Clippers. I mean, great player, superstar player, phenomenal player. But he, you even saw it the last game. I mean, he he uh, got a leg injury and then comes out. and I mean, he was nails in this game. But you always have those injury worries with Chris Paul. This roster, what, other than, you know, knock on wood, what you mentioned with uh, Luke Mute, I mean, that's uh, the, the rest of the team, you, you know, is pretty, pretty healthy right now. And that's always a big component in winning a championship. So you want to just take advantage while you have the home court, while you've had the 65 win team, while you have this great chemistry, uh, or while you have just this core unit together that's playing so well, I mean, that you, you really want to take advantage of winning a championship this year. And now after the win tonight, uh, recording this game after game four, uh, obviously, uh, after the, the game four, win, the Rockets evening in the series, now it's a best two out of three. These games are at home. This really puts the Rockets at a prime position to win the Western conference, go to the NBA finals and win a title. And that's what to, for Chris Paul and James Harden, who have, you know, they, they Harden was in the finals with Oklahoma city thunder. Chris Paul's never even gotten this far. You have to know that. I mean, that hunger, that drive to, to want to win a championship, it's going to be there. They're going to have to, I mean, again, it's the defending champs. We all know Rudy T's famous saying, don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough to knock off golden state, but if you can, I, I think that just, I mean, just a win like this in game four just gives you so much momentum because people were already riding off the Rockets and just the way that they were able to go out and do it to, to, uh, in game four and take a, a road game and make this a best of three series now, I just think it's pretty incredible. But we're going to have LeBron James next year. So, I mean, why can't they? Well, there's that too. I mean, what do you think about that? You think LeBron's coming? <laughs> I don't know how they do it. I mean, Daryl's probably got he's probably got some sort of, you know, chess move figured out to to try to bring him here. I don't know well, what he's Let me be. ask you this, like, okay, let's look over at the Eastern Conference. I mean, maybe just talk a little bit. Do you think that LeBron is done with Cleveland or if Cleveland gets back to the finals, they come back here. They're tied up. Their series two is 2-2 as well. If they go back to an NBA finals, does he return to Cleveland or do you think that where do you think the best situation would be for LeBron next year and do you think it's Houston well the East starts getting really tough and that that's one thing that really helps the Rockets this year if they can get past Golden State because you know these two teams look like they're very beatable next year you might have Boston coming back with all the guys that they have and then throw in 
Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. You know, Philadelphia might have added some huge piece to Embiid and Bill and uh, Ben Simmons and those guys. You know, they're they're just going to get better and better and better. You would assume as long as Bill Simmons. I, I didn't know that he was playing on the Philadelphia. <laughs> well, yeah, I said I nearly said Bill, but I said Ben, his which is his son. Actually, he's Bill Bill Simmons' son it is Ben. But uh, but yeah, Ben Simmons uh, and Embiid are just going to get better and better. And Embiid, you know, as long as he stays healthy, and you've got Ben Simmons, I mean, those two those two guys are going to put Philadelphia in the mix, and it, it, they're going to the experience from the, this year is going to help those guys too. And you know, who knows? They they might add who, Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, who knows? I mean, so the East could get way way tougher to beat than it That's has been. Funny. We've been making fun of the East, you know, for all these years and how the East is. But you're right. I mean, we haven't even spoken about Milwaukee and Giannis. I mean, that guy, he's the Greek freak just keeps getting better year after year. You you, uh, you, you also have, like what you said, Boston. Plus, I believe they still have the, the high draft pick, too, right? So that they, I mean, Boston just continues to add talent. Plus, they have the young core that they can trade. They want to go out and get another superstar like a Kawhi Leonard, right? If they want to go out and get somebody of that I mean, and then what you mentioned about Philadelphia and their core pieces adding superstars. To me, the East, if you're, but if LeBron goes to one of those teams, he immediately makes them championship contenders and to come out of the East for the next two or three years. I mean, he can shift the balance of power there. But coming over to the Western Conference, of course, there's the Lakers who have the two max contracts that they can offer on the book. We know Magic Johnson wants to do that, bring back the Lakers again. If he can have LeBron and Paul Jan. George to go along with uh, some of the young talent there in LA. Does that make them immediately like in the Rockets or Golden State caliber? Uh, you know, that's you're adding LeBron and Paul George superstars with uh, round out the roster there. I don't know, but I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios here that can play out. I just think it's very interesting. But if LeBron gets back to the finals with Cleveland, it's it's hard to say. You know, so that's why some people are speculating. Well, then LeBron might just decide to. Hey, I mean, he did it, did it again. You know, it's, it's Cleveland. It's home. It's comfortable. It keeps getting back to the finals from there. So it's hard to leave a situation where you I, I know he did in Miami, but it's 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 hard to leave where you keep having success, even if you aren't winning the ultimate NBA hardware. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But the Rockets are in the mix. I just and Daryl Morey's a wizard. So we'll see kind of what he pulls out of his hat. But uh, in today's NBA, you just. You, uh, I mean, the Warriors maybe because of their just overall, you know, they added, they won 73 games that one year and they went out and added Kevin Durant the next year. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, the Rockets were a great team last year, as we saw, and they had to go out and sign Chris Paul. Just say, I mean, it's the, the, the NBA as far as like, it's, it's really creating these super teams. And I mean, it's fun if you have one, but not if you don't. Reminds me a lot of the American league and, and baseball and, I got to tip my cap because we were talking about this guy uh, the last couple of weeks. Like, when are we going to see him? When are we going to see him? And the Astros finally bring up Tony Gwynn. And Tony Gwynn, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, not Tony Gwynn, Tony Kemp. Wait, oh. Tony Gwynn. It's like, okay. The late, great Tony Gwynn, one of the greatest hitters of all time. I was, I was saying that facetiously because Tony Kemp, he's only hitting 429 with a 938 OPS. He had five RBIs. Uh, on Tuesday night, I mean, Tony Kemp has been extraordinary. And I tell you what, RG, it makes a huge difference to have Tony Kemp in the ninth spot instead of, oh, I don't know, Derek Fisher, Jake Marisnik. It totally changes the Astros lineup, totally changes their lineup. And it seems like it seems like we have a one through nine now instead of a one through six or something like that. 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. It's been uh, great to see Tony Kemp up. And one of the things that, I mean, early on in the game, Tuesday night's game against San Francisco, he lays down a perfect bunt, you know, sacrifice bunt. You just don't see that usually, especially in today's baseball with analytics and, oh, get rid of the bunt. The bunt's a dinosaur of the game now. And then also, you know, with a, a sacrifice uh, uh, fly later in the game, you know, I mean, he just is doing the little things that you need to have in order from the, the bottom of the lineup and what they weren't getting, like you said, from Jake Marisnik, who was striking out a lot. Um, also Derek Fisher, a high strikeout count, you know? Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, but we also have to look at the fact too, that Evan Gaddis has started to produce more. We talked about this last week. So they're getting a little bit more production from the bottom of the order. Um, Brian McCann's had a very good season so, so far. So, but you know, ultimately, still, I think the Astros, uh, yeah, what they do here, and uh, they, I think Tony Kemp's a good start. But you know, are they going to go out and maybe try to acquire somebody who could, you know, potentially be a, a you know, a, a left-handed stick in the lineup? They could, you know, because they have all those righties at the top that we we know about. They have like Springer and Bregman and Altuve and Correa and then even Yuli Goriel that's five right-handed bats and Josh Reddick he hasn't been the same kind of hitter this past season so I know they could potentially call up Kyle Tucker uh, the the Ted Williams type swing I mean but that's putting a lot of pressure on the youngster and I I still think that you know that's one of the areas the, the Astros might try to address here in in the summer because they need to get more offensive production but uh, as we've been speaking about I mean their starting staff has just been so incredible to start the season and and yet uh, i mean just every single day it's a pleasure to watch you said uh you know tony kemp put down the bunt it's a second bunt i've seen aj hinch uh, be okay with the call for i guess in, in the last few days so it's it's good to see a little small ball i mean with all the strikeouts in baseball i i think there was something like more strikeouts than hits through the first quarter of the season in baseball which for like the i don't know what it was maybe the first time in history some crazy stat like that and then J.D. Davis gets called up, and you know what? It's better to walk than strike out, and I'm glad J.D. Davis understands that a little bit better than some of the guys that aren't on the roster right now. And J.D. Davis walks three times, and lo and behold, when you walk, you can score, and he scores three times. So, I, I, you know, I'm really happy to see J.D. Davis because, you know, had a great spring training. You know, he's slow start, but just when he got going, he gets sent down. He's been hit like 415 or something crazy like that. And he gets called up, and you're wondering, well, where are they, what are they going to do with J.D. Davis? And lo and behold, A.J. puts him out in left field. So, I mean, <laughs> I didn't know if J.D. Davis could do that. I mean, I knew he could play a little third, a little first, but, you know, he was— Well, they, when he went down to Fresno this past time, they put him in a little bit in left field, too. So they were kind of, like, trying him out there, giving a little bit of experience. So, yeah, but he can play around different— not that he's the greatest def defensive player by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, they're they're definitely putting him in the lineup for his stick. But it's good that he has that. Again, it was something that we've talked about er earlier, and uh, you know, this this year that uh, the Astros really place a lot of emphasis on on versatility. Yeah, you mentioned that starting staff, and it, it just tells you all you need to know. When I see Garrett Cole give up two runs, a two run home run, and the in his sixth inning and he's always got six innings and he's given up two runs and I'm, I was big disappointment like what he gave up he gave up a run he gave up a home run a starting pitcher gave up two runs in a game and he only pitched six like what's wrong with this guy I mean that's that's the Astros staff right there in a nutshell when you're disappointed with like two runs and six innings 
but I mean, yeah, they, they're just it, it's extraordinary what they're doing. On well, they have basis. they have three they have three guys, and we're almost to the end of May with ERAs under two. I, uh, Charlie Morton one ninety four, Garrett Cole one eighty six, and Justin Verlander one oh five. I mean that that's I mean that's Cy Young written right over you know right there for I mean all these guys are having incredible seasons. I mean the two worst starting pitchers on the staff have been incredible too. I mean Lance McCullers at six and two with a three twenty ERA and uh, Dallas Keuchel's not pitching like he usually does. Okay, so that's the one guy. He's uh, so far three and six with a 3.43 ERA, but still a 3.43 ERA in the American League. Uh, I mean, that's really good, and that's why I mean every single night the Astros. And we know that Dallas Keuchel can continue to improve over the course of the season. He gives you innings. He's an innings eater, and he's a, a different type of pitcher too. When you have all these power pitchers, it just it's uh, it's just a pleasure to behold because we're watching one of the great like starting rotations of all time if this continues, you know, that here in Houston, and hopefully, you know, that the these guys again, knock on wood, can stay healthy because it's just it's just fun to watch them come out and pitch and see each day can the, the, the starter that's out there improve upon what the guy did the last night, you know, but Justin Verlander is definitely the, 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 the straw that stirs a drink. I mean, just what he did last week in Anaheim when he had that uh, complete game shutout and he'll be going against in the, the, the second game of the two game series against the giants. So we're recording this before he goes, but I mean, Justin Verlander, it just the respect that he commands on the staff, just what he's able to do. And, uh, you know, previous MVP Cy Young Award winner finally gets his World Series trophy with the Astros last year. So, I mean, the Astros are definitely one of the super teams in baseball right now. The Yankees, the Red Sox. I mean, you're, you're we're going to get a good look at them over the next couple of weeks because the Astros play them. Yeah, I've got a question for you. I'm going to save it for, for our next show, but I got a question for you as far as uh, the playoff seedings and stuff like that remind me to bring that up. But I, I want to bring this up one more time because I talked about this. We, I think we talked about it uh, sometime last week, but it, it's worth bringing up again because I feel like it's just totally under the radar by Major League Baseball, by the pundits, by local people. I don't know if people are seeing what the Astros are doing on defense because outside of Alex Bregman has eight errors. Marwin Gonzalez, who plays like 14 different positions, has two errors, which is good considering he plays like five different positions for the Astros, that he's only got two errors and basically almost plays every game. But Bregman's got eight. And then outside of Alex Bregman and Marwin Gonzalez, the Astros have a total, a total of one from Springer, one from Lance McCullers, one from Brian McCann, one from Garrett Cole, and one from Jose Altuve. It's like five errors total for the whole rest of the team. Two of those guys are pitchers. So that tells you how extraordinary their defense is. Last year, I think they had just a little bit less than 100 errors on the season. They've only got, what, uh, five, seven, 15 errors this year. That's it. And we're, we're like nearly a third of the way through the season. Well, so- but you want to know part of that too is because like they lead the league. They have 504 strikeouts. So if you're not putting wood on the ball and you're not putting the ball in play i mean they're they're totally i mean it's pretty incredible with their their team strikeout totals so uh, but you're right i mean the defense has been great with uh you know, all around and you have to have really strong defense and in, in today's game i mean that's what I take away runs that's another metric you know so uh you know definitely the astros have uh you know have a, a very good defense but let's not forget that a pitching staff that 
you know, strikes out a lot of uh, batters, just doesn't even give a chance to get the ball in play. And that's what we also talk about always with the lineup too, right? It's like that ability to put the ball in play because when you put the ball in play, there's always a chance that a fielder will make an error and that a runner can get on. So, I mean, good things uh, can potentially happen when you put the ball in play, but nothing good happens when you're, you're, you know, mighty Casey at the bat, you strike out. I think the, what are they, there's some stat. I'm trying to remember what it was. I saw it the other day, and now I've, I should have uh, kept it somewhere. But it was the Astros starting staff. If you put them all together, they're they're having a better season like than some of the great seasons of pitchers in Major League Baseball history per nine innings or something like that. Like all five of them on average are are doing that, which is... I mean, it's crazy. It's like something out of like a video game. You know, it's like you know turn on your xbox here or something i mean it's just it's crazy and just really really quietly and we mentioned him we've mentioned him maybe once or twice before but god colin McHugh. i mean you know i never thought he would be that great of a reliever because he's not a strikeout guy uh that's never been really a big part of his game but he's got his era is about a half a run i mean it's 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 ridiculous what colin McHugh's done we got to tip our cap to McHugh. i mean just He's having a fantastic season. I mean, that, I, we, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we haven't mentioned him much this year because we it was always about like, well, out of the bullpen, you have Brad Peacock, you have a Chris Davinsky, you know. Then it's always the worries about can Ken Giles close out games. But yeah, he's really had, and he's that swing starter. I mean, they got this from Brad Peacock last year, but he's a guy that can potentially, if there is an injury on the staff, that you can just slide you know, a Colin McHugh into the rotation or if somebody needs a, like some time off or some rest, I mean, you can put Colin McHugh in for a spot start, but what he is doing out of the bullpen is incredible. But I mean, when you're, when you're coming out of the bullpen, there is a little bit of difference in that, in that you, you, you're coming in for short spurts. So you can, you can kind of let it go with your fastball. And even with the way that you mix pitches, we know, we know that Colin McHugh's always had that that good curveball, you know, so he like his off-speed stuff, so his breaking pitches, he can use that and then fire the fastball in there. He does have, in 17 and two-thirds innings pitch, he does have 24 strikeouts, so he's, you know, getting uh, more than a, a strikeout in innings. So, uh, but coming out of the bullpen, it's just a little bit different different situation than when you're trying to pace yourself to go two or three times through the order when you're a starter and that you might not want to show all your cards you know, the first time around, and sometimes you're pitching the contact to get a player out. When you come out of the bullpen, you're coming in and, you know, just like high leverage situations, right? So it's a little bit different in how you pitch, how you approach the game. But still, to have that kind of ERA, like you said, to have that kind of success, to be doing this well for a guy who's been starting all these years, to come in and be an excellent reliever, I mean, it's, it just also speaks high volumes about him. I want to make a quick plug before we close things out. Um, I was out at OTA's front of the show RG that uh, has been on you know our show it's been on locked on Texans a number of times was able to get him on today Pat Starr from State of the Texans who came out in a wheelchair he's undergone 10 surgeries after oh being gosh. hit by an 18 wheeler thrown about 200 feet in the air he oh told me the story when I talked to him uh, today just incredible that he's still alive and in one piece and uh, talked to him a few minutes about just uh you know, being out there, getting a chance to to be out there after a few months. This happened back in mid-February. He's even going to try to go, like he told me, he's going to try to make it out to West Virginia for training camp. Uh, you know, he, he, you, you would never know from his attitude, from talking to him. Uh, he was just happy to be there, That this what this guy had been through. But it's just, it's really amazing. 
Uh, go listen to my conversation with Pat. Talked a little bit about that, but we talked plenty of plenty of Texans and what he thought of the offseason and what's going on with, with the Texans, the offensive line situation and other stuff like that. But uh, just uh, really happy to see Pat. I mean, my, our friend John McClain on Twitter uh, said the same thing. That was the highlight for him and Steph Stradley and some of the people with the Chronicle, some of us that regularly go out there all the time and see Pat out there all the time. Just an amazing story that he's been able to uh, recover and he's said he's getting closer to walking. He's 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 standing up, but he's got to use a uh, kind of a walker to stand up at this point. But uh, hopefully, uh, maybe in a few months down the road, um, you know, it, it's going to happen for him. But just uh, uh, it's worth going to listen to it's, again. It's locked on Texans. It's the uh, the Tuesday show, and uh, you'll want to hear that because talked a little bit of OTAs as well, and a little bit about what I saw. But you know, it's OTA, so can't see a whole lot at this point. We don't know a whole lot. Yeah, well, prayers to Pat and his, his family, and again, for a speedy recovery there. Uh, it's amazing that he was out there today. All right, RG, they going to win game five? What's the story? Yeah, I'm going to say that they're, you know, I don't want to like do anything here, but I'm going with the Rockets in game five back at Toyota Center, coming home. Again, because of the people who are listening here right now who are Rockets fans are going to be out in Rockets Red cheering them on. I think that that gives the Rockets kind of the lift, the momentum. Uh, to win that game five. What about you? I'm going to say I, I don't have a good feeling because I just feel like they put a lot of their heart into this one, and I don't know if they've got enough gas in the tank two days later to do this. It wouldn't surprise me. I feel like we're going to see another close game. I'm, I'm with you. I think this one could be another close game. But, yeah, I, I don't feel it, but – Nothing would surprise me. Boy, I hope so. I hope, I hope they can figure out a way to do it. I mean, uh, again, uh, the city's going through something uh, emotionally for the second time in a few months. And uh, Chris Paul, like he said, after this game, you know, he wants to bring just a little bit of smile, a little bit of something to the, to the people that are gone through what they've gone through in Santa Fe. So hopefully they can pull that out. Thanks so much for doing this, RG. Good to talk to you. Looking forward to the next one. Thanks again for listening, and if you're new to the show, subscribe to Houston Sports Talk on iTunes, Stitcher, or the TuneIn app. If you have an Android device, download our free Houston Sports Talk app. You can keep up with this show and my daily Locked On Texans podcast on Twitter and Facebook or by going to HoustonSportsTalk.net or LockedOnTexans.com.